Way back, long, long time ago, when I had been dating my husband for a year, he planned this amazing strategy to propose marriage to me. I was interning at the church, Salem Alliance, and Nick came down from Portland and kidnapped me from a Sunday service. He had secretly arranged for a train ride for us up to Seattle where we would meet up with friends for dinner and he hoped to be engaged by the time we got there. <laughs> As we rode along on the train, um, for those of you old enough to remember Clark Kent and phone booths and how he would go in and come out as Superman, Nick did something similar, but he went in the restroom on the train wearing khakis and a button-down shirt, and he came out dressed in his Marine Corps dress blues. That was my clue that something was happening. We're going to war or something big. Something big is happening. After professing his love for me, he dropped to one knee and asked me to marry him. And you can imagine how great, how exciting that was. It's a story I still tell. He went out of his way to just express lavish love and affection for me. So you would probably imagine that I did the same when we went ring shopping for him. Unfortunately, that's not how this story goes. <laughs> it was about three months before our wedding, and um, Nick and I went to a jewelry store, and the sole purpose for going that night was to choose his wedding ring. As we looked, as we shopped, I kept nudging him toward higher-priced, more glorious options than he would have chosen for himself. Nothing gaudy, just lots of gold and comfort fit, those kinds of things. But as we shopped, I was secretly haunted by the knowledge that I had no money. I was in grad school living last week to this week financially. For several months during the engagement, I had wanted to tell Nick just how broke I was, but the time just never seemed right. So we decided on a ring, the jeweler boxed it up, and as we were walking down the counter where we would need to pay, I tried to pull Nick aside and break the news to him, and right as I was getting ready to do that, he did something I'll never forget. He reached in his pocket, pulled out his wallet, and paid for his own wedding ring. The symbol that would forever represent my love relationship with Nick, he paid for with his own money. And to this day, he wears that ring as a symbol of my love but he paid for it. That's perhaps a picture for us of what Jesus has done. If he's going to be with us, he knew it would cost him. Last night, just 24 hours ago, we considered who is this king? Who is King Jesus? And this morning, we asked ourselves, will we allow him, will we continue to declare him the king of our hearts, 
no matter what. But we would be remiss if we didn't pause tonight and consider what it cost him. Love relationship between Jesus and you and me cost him. We want to consider tonight the price he paid. He's fully God. He never stopped being God. There has never been a moment that Jesus did not exist in the Trinity with Father and Holy Spirit. From eternity past, Jesus is. He existed in complete and total unity, relational unity in the Godhead with Father and Holy Spirit. He knew perfect unity like you and I have never known it. At creation, he knew everything in its perfect, God-ordained state. And throughout several thousand years of human history, Jesus knew the heartbreak of people who thumbed their noses at God's plans for them or thumbed their noses at God even. From before time began, Jesus knew that his father had a longing for relationship with people. But on their own, people just never quite seemed to yield their hearts for the long term to the one true God, the King of Kings. Back when God was determining that grass would be green and water would be wet and that the earth would spin on a precise axis, God was also longing for relationship with you and me, with people. He longed for unhindered relationship, close relationship, authentic relationship. But across human history, over the long haul, it never worked. It didn't have a perfect conclusion. And that was not God's fault. People were the problem in the equation. People wandered. People sinned. People only wanted God when he could perhaps serve that great Santa Claus in the sky purpose for them. People were hit and miss with God. They'd go with him for a while, but then always trail off. Again, not because God fell short, not because God didn't hold up his end of the bargain, but because people did. Every man, every woman, every child, powerless, unable to measure up, unable to maintain that close relationship with God that he longed for, often oblivious even to the need for God, a scary condition. So at a precise time in history, Jesus, God's perfect, sinless, only son, rose up from his throne in heaven and came to earth, a much less grand location for him, kind of a dirty place for him to come, not all that hospitable really. 
Philippians chapter 2 describes this to us, and we'll look at those verses. Though he was God, that's Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. In order to be with you, in order to be with me, Jesus had to lower himself. Not to be funny at all, but my husband says he married up. But Jesus had to lower himself to be with us. His love for us was pure, his devotion unquestioned, but he humbled himself. He didn't stop being God, but he put all of the privileges of being God to the side. He humbled himself and he died, and the news reports that day would have recorded that a criminal was killed on a cross even though Jesus had never committed a crime. He'd never fallen short. He had never failed to measure up. For the king of kings to be the king of our hearts, it cost him. There was a price he had to pay. People forever have been penniless when it comes to these things we're talking about tonight. Never has a mere mortal been good enough, or right enough, or rich enough. So the relationship offered to us by Jesus, it began on a cross, a, a, an execution chamber, a place where Jesus gave up his life. He died a physical death. He also let his ego be killed that night. I, I don't know what you've processed today as we've been here since this morning, but I know in my journey, forgiveness, there were pride issues caught up in it. Now I imagine Jesus hanging on the cross, one thing to die physically, but thinking of sinful people that he had to be willing to forgive. Imagine the emotional cost to him as well as the physical cost. Perhaps even his hopes and dreams that there could be another way died on the cross that night. As we know in the garden, he asked his father, let it not be this way, but I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. Jesus wanted relationship with his bride, the church, that's us. But this chasm existed. This gap existed between the king of kings and his bride, the people he longed to be with. And there was this insurmountable debt that we had and could never pay. And so this chasm from our direction could not be bridged because we had no ability. But on the cross, 
Jesus bridged the chasm for us. He paid the penalty that belongs to you and to me and to all people. And this was a once-for-all legal transaction where God declared the debt paid. Never would anyone be held accountable for that debt again if they chose to receive it as a gift through the work of Jesus. The book of Romans describes the human plight this way in chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. This is true for the axe murderer, and this is true for the gossip. Neither sin is held to a higher standard. All have fallen short of God's glorious standard. As uncomfortable as that can feel to our human sensibilities, it's the truth. It's useless for us to look to the left or to the right, looking for someone who is more sinful than me or less sinful than me. Because it's my sin that will convict me apart from Christ. And the work Jesus did on the cross, the price he paid to be with me, is the only way I can be saved. The grace offered when Jesus willingly died for us is what enables anyone to enter into that relationship that he's been longing to have with us from eternity past. To occupy the throne of our hearts cost him dearly, but he did it because no matter who we are or what we've done, it was the path to relationship that Jesus longed for with the axe murderer and the gossip or whatever sin you might think a person could do. Not quite two years ago, after a, pretty much a decade of turmoil, my brother's son, my 24-year-old nephew, died by suicide. And as I understand the events of that night my nephew reached out to a very close friend and for whatever reason, that friend told him something to the effect of, go ahead, I don't care. And so my nephew did. About two months after his death, I was with my brother, his father, and my brother was obviously racked with grief but as we sat down, he began to tell me about some of the events that followed my nephew's death. At the funeral, the speaker just presented the amazing grace of God through his son, Jesus. And the young man who had encouraged my nephew's suicide was there and for the first time in his life acknowledged his need for a savior. He received Christ, invited him in to be the king of his heart. And so as I'm sitting there with my brother and he's telling me all this, 
he began to remind me about the first time he knew he needed a savior. He was a young boy in Sunday school, and his teacher, Miss Dorothy, said to him, would you take the offering plate and set it outside the classroom door so the ushers can come and get it? As my brother took the offering plate and began to walk to the door, he said the coins glistened and glowed and before he knew what had happened, he grabbed a coin, stuck it in his pocket, did what Miss Dorothy had told him to do, and went on about his way. Nobody saw it, and nobody knew. But he said later that night, he was just overcome with sorrow and an awareness that he had sinned and he needed a savior. And as my brother and I were sitting there talking, then he looked at me and he said, I don't know why some of us turn to Jesus with a stolen coin in our pockets and some of us don't turn to Jesus until we've encouraged a suicide. But now I need to learn how to spend eternity with this guy. And so my brother, in his sadness and in his grief, he understood and expressed to me what I think is the most accurate and glorious picture of the grace of God through Christ. All that my brother and his family will continue to have to wrestle with, but it's true. Romans 6.23 puts it this way. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is any time anyone misses the mark, the perfect standard established by God. And so, yes, Jesus died. He paid the price for the axe murderer. But it also cost him to pay the price for the gossip or for the little boy with the coin in his pocket. No matter the sin, no matter the timing of the awareness of the sin, no matter the soul care issues ahead, no matter the healing needed or the habits that need to be changed or the struggles or the fight for independence or the stubbornness that has to be journeyed through, the truth is that Jesus paid the penalty for each one of us to enter into relationship, the king of our hearts paid a steep price in order to give us the gift that he was longing to receive back from us. He paid the price for something that we had no ability to pay. I'll just close tonight with this. This past May, on one of those crazy Oregon late May days when we know that it's supposed to be almost summer, but it's more like winter. On this particular day, it was 41 degrees and pouring the rain. We had my daughter's 13th birthday party downtown Salem at that um, paint-your-own-pottery place. And I had arranged for pizza delivery at the party. And I had a coupon, and in order to save delivery charge, I had extra pizza delivered there that I was going to take home for dinner that night so that it would just be one-stop shopping and save a few bucks. So the party ended, 
And we packed everything up and we were heading to our van. And I mean, it was cold and pouring the rain. And I'm walking with a whole pizza and some cans of juice on top of it. And sitting there, slumped up against the building in that cold rain, was someone who appeared to be homeless. And over the course of my adult life, I've given $5 bills to people. I've donated things. I have prayed, prayed, prayed for people that I pass in intersections or see along the way. So nothing about the motivation in me was guilt. But something, something very spiritual prompted me and I took my family's dinner, that pizza and those cans of juice, and I went to the woman and I kind of tapped her and said, would you like pizza and juice? And she looked at me almost like I was trying to trick her or manipulate her into something. And I said, no, we've not opened it. It's all, it's good. And so she took it and within one minute, I was back in my car and as I looked, she had already gathered a few friends with her and they were having dinner. And as I drove home and in the days that followed, I just kept asking the Lord, what is it about that interaction? What is it where I just knew you were prompting me, where I just knew it was you? What was different about that time? And I, I didn't get an answer from the Lord. I didn't get an answer. But I kept asking, and finally one morning in my morning chair, sitting there with the Lord, I posed the question to him again. And in a voice that if you had been there, it was almost audible, it was so clear. And he said, Susan, you've been troubled by this because it's you. Apart from me, you have no home, you have nothing you need, no security, no nothing. Everything you have comes from me. But I love you so much. I'm providing everything for you. You just need to receive it. The king of our hearts invites us to come to him. He wants to give everything we need. He longs to give us what we lack And we need to be sure we understand that the king of our hearts wanted to be with us so much that he paid a steep price to be with us. And he just wants us all to come to him.